Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile Life, the podcast. This is episode 187 called Stephanie. Today's episode is presented by Belly. Belly offers modern prenatal vitamins optimized for fertility, prenatal, and post-pregnancy health. To learn more about how to optimize your fertility and pregnancy health, check out their vegan-friendly, dairy-free, non-GMO vitamins for both men and women at bellybaby.com. That's spelled B-E-L-I-B-A-B-Y.com. The best part, if you use code Allie15, you'll get 15% off your first month of either Belly Women or Belly Men. Again, that's code Allie15, A-L-I-1-5, for 15% off. Thanks, Belly. This episode is supported by Receptiva DX. The Receptiva DX test can help couples struggling with unexplained infertility. Getting pregnant isn't easy, as so many of you know. Many couples struggle with infertility, and unexplained infertility can be particularly frustrating. Women facing unsuccessful IVF may not know that endometriosis is the underlying cause, a disease that can impact the success rates of IVF treatments and often has no symptoms. The Receptiva DX test can help identify endometriosis before an embryo transfer, and it has the potential to save women the stress, anxiety, and cost of multiple failed IVF attempts. The good news is multiple studies show treatment of women with a positive Receptiva DX test improves live birth outcomes by over 50%. Receptiva DX can detect all stages of endometriosis and help women make better decisions in planning for pregnancy. You can learn more at ReceptivaDX.com or download their app, which is also called Receptiva DX. Okay, guys. So today I am talking to an incredible woman named Stephanie Levich, and she is going to tell us about what it was like to grow up as one of three adopted children, what her parents told her about being adopted and how it was all coming from a place of love. And she has a really cool message about that, that I think is so spot on. She's also going to tell us about finding herself in the throes of infertility when it came time to build her own family, going through IVF and how she has worked in the fertility field for 20 years, leading her to found her own business called Family Match, which is a premier fertility consulting firm for A-list celebs, CEOs, prominent sports figures, political figures who require extra support and privacy as they navigate their family building journeys. So over the course of her career, she's helped more than 3,000 parents on their path towards creating their families. And it's a really interesting story. So without further ado, this is Stephanie's infertility story. How are you, Stephanie? Thank you so much for doing this today. I'm happy to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm great. How are you this morning? I'm good. So I want to talk about, first of all, you yourself, before we get into your infertility journey and how you started Family Match Consulting and all that stuff, you are the first of your parents' three adopted children, correct? That's correct. So tell me about growing up. How did you find out you were adopted? Did they tell you? Did it have any effect on your you know, growing up or was it just, it was what it was like, what was it like being an adopted child? 
Yeah, well, I think that the way my parents told me and when really framed it for me, and 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 that's what really carried me into becoming an adult, and I think shaped kind of my birth story in a really healthy and positive way. So my parents, you know, people always ask, when did you find out you were adopted? Mm-hmm. And the answer that I always give is I've just always known. And my parents told me I was adopted, you know, long before I could even understand what that word meant. And and as I became older and wrapped my head around it, obviously I gained clarity on what what that meant, but I've just always known. And 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 I think that's a really important thing to consider when thinking about when to tell your child that they were born through adoption, egg donation, surrogacy, IVF, whatever that is, mm-hmm. because it's it's really jarring, I think, or can be to someone who's older, who's just learning of some big news much later in life. And so A, they told me early, which was really important. And then B, the way they framed it was just in such a healthy, positive way, which was that, you know, this is a celebration of love. This is, Mm. you know, a birth mother who loved you so much and knew she couldn't give you the life that she wanted you to have. And, And my mom and dad wanted a baby so badly and they would be able to give me that love. And so it was just people coming together out of love to give me the best life. And, and so that's always how I viewed it since Mm -hmm. I was young and, and that's how I view it now. And I think how they framed it way back when is really what's um, helped me view this in such a healthy and positive way. That's so beautiful. And I'm like welling up. I'm so like emotional today anyway. Oh. And that like, it's just such a perfect way to do it, that it's rooted in love on both sides. That's right. You yes. Know? It's rooted in love and, and not rooted in shame. And when you you know, a a dear friend and colleague said something so profound, um, which is that there's a difference between something that's private and something that's a secret. Everybody has a right to privacy. We get to decide who we share what with and when. But when something is a secret, like a a deeply guarded secret, um, there's usually a negative connotation within Mm -hmm. that. And, Mm -hmm. And if a child feels that, then they can grow up getting feeling that the way they came into this world is shrouded in some kind of shame. And 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 that can be really harmful. That's such a great distinction between privacy and secrecy. Like I never really thought of it that way, but that's really, really important. I think in any way, like you said, you know, bring, no matter how you brought your child into the world, if you use some sort of, you know, ART, you know, sperm egg donation, surrogacy, adoption, IVF, all that. So that's really, really great. So let's fast forward a whole bunch to your personal story with, you know, family building and infertility. When did you start to try to have babies and what happened? Sure. So I, so I work in the fertility field, which I'll talk about mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a little while, but I had already been doing the work in the field for about 10 years when my husband and I decided to try to have our family. And I was in my late twenties um, into my early thirties through this journey of trying to have a baby and you know, even working in this field and working with hundreds of clients a a year that have, you know, struggle with infertility, I, you know, you just think like, it won't be me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So were you working at Family Match Consulting or were you doing something else? 
So I started in this, so, so I started and ran a large donor and surrogate agency um, early in my career around the time that I was um, selling the agency. So this was prior to starting family matches when we were going through this, pro- this journey of trying to have a family. Or okay. Got it. So, so it, it's just funny because even people who are not exposed to this, you know, of course they think like it should be easy, especially when you're young, I'm exposed to so much. And still I thought, this will be easy. Like, right. It's, it's, you just never think that it's you, but, um, people as you know, and, and that was me and why I really, one of the major reasons I was compelled to start family match was as somebody exposed to infertility, IVF, all these things for so long, when it came to my journey, I was so confused and sad and scared and and all these things. And I thought, gosh, for people who have no exposure to this, how does that feel for them? This yep. is really hard for me. And so we, we did three uh, medicated rounds of IUIs because nothing looked to be wrong, like all labs, ultrasounds. Right. So you you guys were just kind of trying naturally, but nothing was happening. That's right. And so I finally went to my OB. We, she started me on Clomid. We did that. And then it was a referral to an RE. And I thought, gosh, I can't even believe this. This is so crazy. But luckily I know who to call and where to go. And that's when they suggested, you know, IUIs because it was unexplained infertility. They could not find a thing that was wrong. And so the doctor was really, really confident that IUI would work. And that's not always the case, you know, but he really thought that this, you're not going to have to do IVF. Okay. Um, I want to backtrack just a little bit and just ask what drew you to the fertility field in the first place? Work-wise. Yeah, we're kind of like jumping around. Sorry. <laughs> life and career. No, no, no. It's, it, it's all really, it's relevant. all intermeshed. Yes. So what compelled me to start in this field very initially was, was my personal adoption, my mom. And I should tell you the reason why I was adopted because it's a beautiful story. Okay. Uh, My mom, when she was 13 years old, um, had a tummy ache and my grandparents, um, took her to the doctor, which, um, ended up becoming a hospital visit where they discovered a very random, just out of the blue fluke infection that was so severe that at the time, the only way they could, they thought they could save her life was to give her a complete hysterectomy. Whoa. Yep. And at 13, at 13 years old. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so it's not common that someone from that age just knows having children in the quote unquote traditional sense is not going to be in the cards. And so when she was in her, she was a late teenager, she met my dad and she fell in love with him and um, she opted not to tell him. She was so afraid that he Mm. might leave her. And one day to her surprise, he got down on one knee with a ring. And um, she, she says that her eyes like bulged out, like she was terrified. And she, she knew that before she answered, she needed to tell him, mm-hmm. but she did while he's on one knee with ring in hand. Um, and she said, before I answer, I have to tell you. And she explained it all. And he said, um, and I get chills every time I tell this story because his response, like without missing a beat was, so we'll adopt. Are you going to marry me or not? Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, they got married, adopted me later, who became my brother and my sister. And, and, you know, as far as starting my work in this field, I'm so blessed to have 
the best parents imaginable. Mm -hmm. They um, have given me just so much love opportunity. They live two minutes away from where I live. They're the best grandparents. Like I just have, I'm so blessed. And the idea of someone like my mom, for example, who was born to be a mother, um, the idea of someone like that, not being able to do that, it like literally broke my heart. And right. I thought this is a, a great path to be able to help. You know, I knew I wanted to get into adoption, um, for t- something and, and this is just the path that it took. And that was a little over 20 years ago. Wow. So you've long had this desire to like help other intended parents and hopeful parents bring home, you know, start their families and bring home babies. Right. Yes, but it was, I I never, it was almost like a pipe dream because Mm -hmm. I had no clue like the path it would take or how to go about that or, you know, what that would look like. But I I ended up one day randomly finding an ad online for, it was an egg donor and surrogate agency and they were looking for a part-time admin assistant, but it was in the little town that I lived. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like my way in. Wow. Everything I can see if it's a fit. And within two years working for that agency, I was I managed the agency, and that was um, just before I branched off and, and started my own. Amazing. Okay, so we're gonna flip back over to your yes. personal story. <laughs> so you've done the IUIs yes. for not working, correct? Correct. Um, and then what? doctor was shocked, like after the third, and you know we they were highly medicated. Um, it didn't work, and so he's like, well we can keep doing it or let's do IVF. And that's when I was like, nope, I've talked to enough clients who have, you know, done six IUI rounds and then turned to IVF. I'm like, I just, let's just do it. And so we did. And, um, it went great. I mean, I'm so fortunate. My, I had a really good response to the medication. Mm -hmm. I had over 30 eggs retrieved. We had good fertilization. We ended up at at the time, the lab, um, PGS tested, um, the embryos in batches of eight. Okay. So we tested eight embryos and Mm -hmm. out of the eight, four came back healthy, normal. Wow. And three were girls, one was a boy. And I I never cared about gender. It's just Mm -hmm. something you happen to learn through, you know, this, uh, you know, chromosome testing. So I didn't care kind of what we did as far as the transfer. But at the time, I was like, so desperate to be a mom that, um, you know, I had a, a, um, a pretty serious talk with the doctor just in terms of transferring one versus two. And, mm-hmm. and I made the decision at the time to transfer two. I, I was okay with the idea of twins. I will say knowing what I know now and seeing the cases that I've even sent, seen since that time, I, I support it fully, but but there is added risk. And so, so I don't know that I'd make that decision again, but at the time we transferred two. And, you know, you never forget that call from the doctor's office with the lab work. Right. Uh, because I had never, I mean, I have never seen a positive pregnancy test in the years of trying to conceive. I just Mm -hmm. thought my body was broken or those tests are broken. And I, since having my two children, I've actually never once used a home pregnancy test, even when waiting for results in the IVF, in the IVF cycles, because I was petrified. I'm like, same. Really? Yeah. I know there's so many people who are like early testers and I totally understand that hundred percent, but I was so nervous that I was going to get a false positive or a false negative, or just, you know, I just didn't want to mess with it. So I, I didn't test either when I was in my two week wait. Um, I totally, totally feel that. Mm -hmm. But when we, so we got the positive results after the first transfer and wow. 
How did that feel to get that, that call? It's just something you'll never forget. Well, actually, so with my son, um, what happened was I started spotting. And so it was about three days before I was supposed to go in for the the blood work. Um, I started spotting. Very scary, even though it can be normal. Very Um, scary. Yes. Terrifying. Um, Terrifying. And so I'm calling, you know, the doctor's office like crying, "Ah, ah, I'm I'm bleeding. And they're like, it's probably fine, but why don't you come in? And um, my husband was out of town for work. He was going to be back the day that we were going to go to the lab together, um, but he was gone. I, I I decided not to tell him. I said, I don't want to worry him. Let me go to the doctor, see what this is. And, and I'll, I'll let him know after. So I go in and they, they're like, look, let's just do a test. They did an ultrasound. Everything looked fine. Um, and so that day it came back positive and my husband's out of town. He doesn't even know I tested. I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? You know, he's on pins and needles for like two days later to mm-hmm. get these results. And so I'm like, well, let's make this fun. And I, um, before he came home, I went and bought like some balloons and like covered the ceiling. And and I know it's scary. And, and a lot of people would say like, it's early, but you know, I had never, ever, ever been pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, ever. And so for me, I'm like, regardless of what happens, this is something to to celebrate. I Um, fully agree with you. It's like, you got to capture those little wins and those little moments of, of joy and hope when you can. That's right. Like, even if it didn't, um, you know, continue or, Mm -hmm. you know, something went wrong, there is that hope. It provides hope that, okay, this will happen and we just have to kind of hang in there. So I covered the room with balloons and he, um, closed the door to the bedroom and he comes home and, he he's like wanting to relax. He had been traveling all day. And I was like, um, Hey babe, um, something's broken upstairs when I, on this bench, can you take a look at it? And Mm -hmm. he's like, I'm tired, babe. Like I just want, and he's like sitting on the couch and doesn't want to come upstairs. I was like, babe, it's really important. He's Mm -hmm. like, like, I'm like, you get upstairs. I need you to look at this. Right. Right. He comes in and there's pink and blue balloons everywhere. And he has this look of confusion. I have it on video. And he's like, but you, we test in two days. And I said, and I explained it all. And the look of just like shock and disbelief on his face, I will never forget. Oh my God. Crying. And it was really awesome. So wait, was it twins? No. So, okay. So you don't know, obviously with the HCD test. And so we knew it was positive. Gotcha. Yep. Um, a couple of days later, numbers rose, um, which is great, but until the ultrasound, you don't know. Um, you can speculate based on numbers, but it's not always like a really true indicator. So my husband and I went in for the ultrasound and we learned that it was one and he was really happy. I mean, that ultimately was the end goal for us as a healthy baby. So, but the funny part about it is we had, you know, the one boy embryo and the three girl embryos. Um, the girl embryo embryos were all rated like B, which as we know, can absolutely, um, you know, become a healthy pregnancy yep. and baby and child. But the boy was like the best rated, like A plus grade embryo. And mm-hmm. so we had put in a boy and a girl. And when we learned it was one, we assumed it's the girl. I mean, that was just a, a fair assumption we thought um, to make. And then the day where we were able to learn gender on the ultrasound, we were shocked to learn that that was our little miracle boy, our only boy embryo, um, who is now my very healthy nine-year-old son. Amazing. I love that. So did they ever give you a diagnosis or was it still just unexplained? Um, they called the diagnosis unexplained, which okay. I'm like, 
that is not a diagnosis. Right. Like, find something and fix it, you know, at the totally. time. But, um, but that, that's ultimately what it was. Okay. Wow. Okay. So you had your boy and yes. then, then what happened? Did you guys decide, you know, at what point were you like, we want to continue or you know, um, what, where did it go? Pretty from? soon after. And my husband was like, let's wait. We're crazy to do it so soon. And I'm like, nope, let's rip off the bandaid. And my son had like severe colic and early, um, early months were extremely challenging. And mm-hmm. I just assumed that's how all babies were. And I was like, let's, let's just do it, get through that hard time. And then, um, and then we're done. We knew we wanted two kids and Mm -hmm. through IVF it's, you know, the, the, the silver lining of it all is like, oh my gosh, we're going to have a boy and a girl. Like we pretty much know that now. And that's, that's pretty awesome. So, um, I convinced him to do the transfer, I think sooner than he had anticipated. Um, Mm -hmm. so we did a transfer, single embryo transfer. Um, my kids are about 18 months apart. Um, and my daughter is seven and my son is nine. So that one worked as well? That one worked as well. First Wow. Transfer. This is rare, Stephanie. Like, you know, know. I, but we work with so many people in Fertility Rally. We've got, you know, more than 400 members and like all everybody's stories are round after round. And, you know, it's, it's very rare to hear oh. that it works not only in the first round, like it did with me, luckily, mm-hmm. but back to back rounds, you know, that's amazing. It really is. And um, perspective is everything because anyone going through IVF um, at the time, especially when you don't have any like tangible results, you're like, God, woe, woe to me. Like, this is so hard. And it is like not to discount what that feels like. But, you know, when you hear the stories, as we all do, of the multiple failed rounds and having to move to, you know, next thing and next thing that Mm -hmm. you never think you'd consider, but, you know, you want to this dream to come true. So you end up kind of moving that needle each time to do Mm -hmm. anything to make it happen. But, you know, it makes you realize that your story is like, I'm so grateful for it. I really am. And I, when I talk with clients who are having a difficult time, you know, sometimes I'll share it is so hard right now. Like you and I both know, I think if anybody told us early on, um, that, Hey, it's going to take some time, maybe longer than you would like, but you will have a baby at the end of this, of this, no matter what I'd be Mm -hmm. like, okay, I can be patient. I can do the medication. I will do whatever. Mm -hmm. But so much of the hard part of it is that uncertainty of like, is this all going to be in vain? Yeah. I mean, is there going to be a baby at the end? And, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people who pivoted and, you know, are now don't have babies at the end of this and, Mm -hmm. you know, have very fulfilled lives and, Mm -hmm. you know, are super happy and their happy ending is different than they thought it would be. So it's just interesting that it can go in so many different directions. But I will say personally for me, I, I, it was like ignorance is bliss. I wasn't in this world. I wasn't Mm. enmeshed in it like I am now. So Mm -hmm. enmeshed, I should say. So I didn't know. I just kind of thought it was going to work and it did. You know what I mean? Like Mm. I didn't, I didn't realize (laughs) now I know in retrospect how damn lucky we are. Cause we were only going to do the one round. We only had one healthy embryo. That was it. Mm. And I, but I I had secondary infertility. I had a daughter who was, you know, six when my son was born. So I don't know. It's just it's all the more surprising, I think, for people who encounter that, um, who aren't exposed to this and know that that is really common, actually. Right. Absolutely. And I'm sure you've learned so much with over, you've helped over like 3000 parents, right? Creating their families over 20 years. Tell me a little bit more about the specific work that you do. And, you know, you're the founder and president of Family Match, like we said, 
Tell me about what you guys do at Family Match. Sure. So we are, we consider ourselves a fertility consulting company, but um, most specifically, we focus on egg donation, sperm donation, and surrogacy. Mm-hmm. Coming from the agency side of the world, having owned um, an agency, and I, I did most of the matching, um, and, and I realized that not every agency has the right candidate for any client at any given time. And so oftentimes clients would call me looking for a donor with certain characteristics and and we didn't have it. And I'd say, oh, so sorry, I'll call you if something changes. Good Mm -hmm. luck. And it was like like sending them back into the abyss, which I know how challenging that is for people. And so I thought there has to be a different way to do this. And so I, we do egg donor and surrogate and and sperm donor searches. And, and um, the way we go about that is we've created a network of really good, reputable agencies, sperm banks, programs that we have vetted that we feel really good about because it's important that the provider you work with, whether it's egg donor agency, surrogacy agency, whatever that is, they need to meet a certain threshold of care. Mm -hmm. And I think there were less than 10 agencies that existed when I I started in this field and my job is to know agencies now and I cannot keep track. They're um, sprouting up all over and many of them really have no business being in this field. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to create like a network that that we felt really good about because from there, then we can focus on what's even more important than that, which is finding clients, the, the donor that feels comfortable for them or the right surrogate. Right. Um, there's no perfect agency, but as long as they meet a certain threshold, then we get to focus on the most important thing. And so mm-hmm. so that's what we do. Um, and we match most of our clients with a donor that they're really happy with within a month. And through our network and relationships we have with surrogacy agencies, even in this climate, which I'm sure you know with COVID, it's 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 been more challenging and wait lists have been longer for clients to be matched. But right. we're matching almost all of our clients, depending on criteria, within one to three months. Wow. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it is. And I was, you know, obviously concerned early COVID and, and as things, you know, uh, the further we got away from like the early shock of it, the, we could see the landscape had changed. And so I thought, gosh, I really hope that what we've built works in this climate. It used to be we'd match pre-COVID almost everyone with a surrogate that they were really happy with within one month, almost without fail. So that mm-hmm. it, it has increased, you know, time timing wise, as far as how long we we match now, but three months in this climate is is pretty remarkable. And so the good news once I realized is that, you know, even in this climate, like our system really works. Right. So if somebody wants to work with you guys, did they just go to familymatchconsulting.com and, you know, fill out the this and that or call you or what's the best way that somebody, you know, probably schedule a free consult? Yep. Yeah. Um, There's a contact okay. form online. Okay. Um, And then our team will reach out to schedule a time for us to meet by phone or Zoom. And then we kind of go from there. And then the other services we offer are ongoing consulting, whether that be during the donor cycle or throughout the whole surrogacy where we work in conjunction with the agency to just kind of help oversee and manage everything. You know, agencies have a really unique role in that they represent parents and surrogate, which you know, can pose certain challenges sometimes. And sometimes agencies have to kind of pick a side when a small or larger um, issue arises. And so it actually ends up being a really nice process when agency represents surrogate, 
we represent intended parents and work together as a team, it becomes just a more equitable process where we each have our clients that we're looking out for and we come together to just do everything we can to make it like the most smooth process possible. Yeah. I love that you say that it's a team because I find this in our support group meetings as well as like sometimes people just feel like they're doing this alone or they're battling their doctors or they're battling their agency or, you know, battling their insurance companies. So to think that, you know, working with you guys, they would have somebody that's like holding their hand and and advocating for them. You know, that makes such a difference in this. As we both know, it's such an overwhelming landscape and, you know, you can go into it being like, I don't even know. I can Google the shit out of anything, but like, I don't even know where to start. Like totally. Yeah. It can be totally. So Some people have a hard time picking like a restaurant for dinner, let alone <laughs> like, you know, the surrogate that's going to carry their child. Right. The crazy concept when you think about it. So having real like unbiased support and guidance yeah. throughout is really helpful because um, even if it's a great agency with good intentions, wanting to match these clients with the best surrogate for them, um, a lot of um, intended parents kind of feel going in really skeptical. Like, is this really right? Like, they want me to become clients? Is Are they just selling me? Like, they have no idea. And it's right. so scary that like, you know, they know with me, like I, I join my clients who I work with throughout the whole journey on their match meetings with a surrogate. So it'll yeah. be um, agency, surrogate, intended parents and myself and we'll get off. And I'm like, what do you think? Like, just tell us what you thought. And and then <laughs> I, I'm honest, like I've had clients say like, I think she seems great. And I'm like, I, there were some red flags. These are my concerns. And like, I didn't even think of that. And I'll be the first to tell a client, I don't think we should proceed, even if they thought it was a really nice meeting. Um, but on the flip side, when I say yesterday, I had one of those meetings that you get off and just think like, I am so lucky to do what I do because Uh, it was like for a surrogate, her husband, both parents. And and it was one of those meetings where we could have sat and talked for five hours. They were so connected just after this hour long meeting. And I know we are going to have an amazing, amazing journey with this team together. And um, and so after the, the clients look to me and when I say that was amazing. She is incredible. I have no concerns. This is one of the best meetings I've had in months. They're like, Oh, oh my gosh, that's such a relief. Thank that's so exciting. Hearing that um, yeah. makes them feel so much better. So you are like the liaison and I'm glad that you mentioned red flags. Cause Stephanie, what are some of the red flags? Like when you're, when you see, when you're in one of these meetings, can you give us some examples just for people who might be in this world right now? Absolutely. And, you know, being, being, or having done this for over 20 years, sometimes I think I've like seen them all or heard it all. And every couple of weeks I'm like, oh, this is new. Um, That's how I feel um, about doing these podcasts. It's like, I I feel like I've heard every story and every scenario and then I'll do another interview and I'm like, oh, never heard that before. Nope. Nope. Exactly. And I I guess, you know, it, every day is different. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'll I'll just to, I'm going to think through like real meetings I've done where I've, I've had some concerns. Um, um, so like, so one meeting, for example, um, we met the surrogate, it was a great meeting, but she happened to just like, as a throwaway statement, say, you know, we were talking about timing of potentially moving forward. She's like, well, I'm moving in a, a month, but it's not too far and it's not a big deal and it's fine, fine, fine. And so, um, I decided not to like press it on the meeting. Um, but I knew after the fact, I'm like, I have to, I didn't know about this move and I want to know where and all, all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I told the intended parents, they're like, yeah, but it sounds like it's local. I said, well, let me just get some more information. And I called the agency and I said, look, I didn't know about this move. Can you find out exactly where it is? Mm-hmm. Just all the details. And when she talked with the surrogate, it turns out it was like a four hour drive, but mm-hmm. not a huge deal, except for all of her family support. Everybody lived where she lived at the time and her husband worked night shifts. And so they're moving, not knowing a single person in the mm. community with, and they had three kids and the husband was out all night at work. And I, I said, you know, find out who her support is. And she, she's like, um, I don't really have any. And then later on that day she called and she's like, you know, I really thought through the questions that you asked and it, it's probably not the right time for me to pursue surrogacy. Wow. And, it was just a little throwaway statement that just, and, and I'm so glad, like I'd rat, we need to know that those things now versus starting the process and having it, you know, not work out like. Right. Avoiding future heartbreak. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's so interesting. Oh, so I think it's so cool to have you in there in the corner of, you know, an intended parent, somebody that's going through this. Um, yes. Any other red flags that come to mind? Um, well, so I, one recommendation I always make is if the surrogates in a relationship are married, if possible, it is always, always best to also meet that person because it is a team. It takes a village. Like, you know, they are such a part, the support person is such a part of, you know, the journey. And we want to really make sure that everyone's aligned, um, on all important things. I really want to ask the partner as I do the surrogate, their views on termination, because, she could tell me that it's fine, but if the partner has other views um, that could filter into any decisions later on um, with her, like that, that could be problematic. So I want to talk with them about that. And, and I'm just thinking about like one example of a time where we did meet the spouse and the surrogate was lovely. She was, she was really wonderful, but because of spouse, I, none of us were, I mean, my client saw it. I saw it. It was very clear. Like this is not the right match. Um, he was very, it almost felt like he was like the broker of the deal and kind of in control of it. And he was going to answer the questions for her. It was a very weird vibe and Mm -hmm. there's no way to have known or seen that unless we had met him. And that was so, it was so kind of alarming almost like Mm -hmm. his attitude towards the process that it was a no, but we wouldn't have known unless we met him. Right. So interesting. Oh my God. I bet you have some really good stories. Well, and I um, want to just mention the last service that we offer. I mean, we we do consulting and searches for all clients, but having worked with many clients over the years with privacy concerns, I I knew that we needed to create a program that would help them through this process, but also address their fears in terms of privacy. You know, the reality is it's like many people in the public eye, well, they may not have the same financial barriers that others do. And so that part is easier. What's harder is them living in fear that information that that is private to them will, will get out, you know, before they are ready or before they want it to, to come out. And so, we have a whole process built built in where we help these clients through all stages of whether it be egg donations or wh- whatever it is, where attention on, on, in their privacy is really the main focus mm-hmm. with, through NDAs and aliases and extra vetting with the candidates and all these layers of protection, not once in 20 years. And it's a big specialty of ours. I mean, we handle about I don't know, close to a hundred, I'd say high profile cases a year. Yeah. 
never once, knock on wood, eight million times has there ever been a leak? Has it ever come out before um, any of our clients have wanted it to or been ready to? And so I, I like to think we are doing something right. That's so interesting. So you've got, you know, these A-list celebrities and CEOs and sports figures and political figures. I yeah. love that you guys do that. And that is so important for people who are in the public eye, like you said. Before we talk about your book, is there anything else you want to share about Family Match? I don't think so. I mean, maybe just that regardless of where recipients intended parents lives, we work with clients all over the world. We work with egg donors, surrogates, sperm donors all over the country. We work with so many fertility clinics all over. So regardless, and, and even if it's, you know, I tell clients that I, when, when I meet with them, I don't want to sell them on this path. Um, it, it's not even about that. If they decide that this is the right path for them to have this extra support, mm-hmm. um, awesome. You know, I, I just want people to know that, um, there is help available and they don't have to do this alone. And, and there is support and guidance should they want it. And if they can find an awesome surrogate directly for an agency that they feel great about great. Like I am all for families and what ever ways they come to be. Um, it's just not well known that, that, um, companies like ours exist. And we, so I started family match, um, over eight years ago and it was just me at the time. And we've, we have never spent a dollar in advertising and we have nine people on staff. Now, um, we are growing, um, hiring now. So, so cool. um, you know, we're do- we're doing something right. And and for the clients that need or want this support, we're here. And, and it is a path that, you know, can be explored. Okay. That's excellent. I'm so glad that you guys exist. Tell me about from the start. What is it? Yes. It's my new, my new baby. Um, I um, uh, co-authored a, a children's book called From the Start, a book about love and making families with my best friend of 25 years. Um, she does not work in this space, but she's also a mom through IVF. And um, we were going through the process at the same time when I was um, trying to get pregnant with my daughter. So doing the second transfer while she was in the throes of um, IVF, trying mm-hmm. to have her first. And, you know, we really leaned on each other for support and we both strongly believe that, you know, telling children their story um, and telling it truthfully from a young age is so, so important for the reasons I shared in terms of my adoption and how that shaped me. And and over the years, I'd have so many clients ask, like, do you have any resources to, you know, talk to to my my child about like egg donation or surrogacy or whatever? And there are books that exist and I think they're great and it's so important. But what didn't exist on the market was a book that painted a a larger picture of all the awesome ways that families can be made. So there's books explaining egg donation or surrogacy. Like I said, so important, but what it doesn't do is give children kind of the broader context of, yes, this is how I came into this world or my family, um, but there's all these other ways. So while while this is my story, there's this story, this story, this story, and they're all good and, and right and made from love. And I am not necessarily unique in that, there's all these other ways. And so it, it just puts into context, like the whole picture of a family building. And so it just didn't exist. And so we, <laughs> I, um, I still have, I was going to um, maybe post on social media today, like the first draft, which was me sitting with like a, a scrapbook, um, uh, note page. And on each page, I like drew stick figures and just the concept that I wanted. And what I didn't know that would come is three years of 
lots and lots of work, many writing sessions together, and then, you know, getting, you know, finding an illustrator, getting each illustration, right. And we wanted the book to be able to be read by any parent, whether it's a single parent, a married couple, a same sex couple, regardless of who picked up this book to tell their child their story, it would be, it would apply. It would be relevant. So anybody can read this book to their child and it addresses like IVF, all fertility treatments, sperm donation, egg donation, surrogacy. And it really frames family building in a loving age appropriate way. And its goal is to really just start those early conversations to kind of be like a jumping off point for for further, you know, conversations and to help give parents the language of how we can do this in, in just a healthy age appropriate and loving way. It's so cute. And I love that you guys are donating a portion of the proceeds to two organizations and the founders that I'm friends with too. help us adopt with Becky Fawcett yes. and baby cross with Pamela. Um, yeah. I love both those women and what they're doing too. So it's like, I feel like the world is, it's such a small world once you get into this community and yes. There's so many people doing such cool things. So everybody check out this book. Is it available now? Yes. Um, okay. It just, uh, was released about two months ago. And Yay. So I'll... Noble, Amazon. Yes. And it's from the startbook.com is the official website too. And I'll put that also in the show notes with a link so people can link to it and check it out. And I'll Great. put it in and my I social like I... as well. Yeah. And I feel like I have to give a shout out and and mention my co-author, my best friend, her name's Alana Weiss, and she is far more creative and talented in that realm than I am. And so um, we were really the perfect blend to bring this to life. And then the illustrator, his name's Darren Gate, and he's just so, so talented and um, had no clue what IVF was and, you know, was drawing like a lab scene in a... Before we wrap, Stephanie, is there anything else you want to say to anybody who's listening who might be kind of new to the world of not only family building, but, you know, egg donation, sperm donation, surrogacy, um, anything you wish you knew then that you'd know now? Um, I I think, and I know we all, like, you always talk about this um, in in your other episodes, but like support really is key. And some people, because they don't have other support or know where to find it, try leaning on their fertility doctor for that. And some doctors are able and willing to provide that more than others. But at the end of the day, that's that's not their role. I mean, some doctors are just wonderful in, in, in giving that, but it's really important to seek out other support, whether through, you know, places like Resolve, like your platforms that you've built, Ali, or a friend or a therapist. Like, it's so important to just be able to talk through these things, you know, because some fears that people have, like they're afraid to say it out loud, but they need to know that it's okay to say it out loud. And once you do, you know that like everybody else says the same thing and it's nothing to be like ashamed of. And so, I mean, so much of therapy is saying your truth and and being loved anyway and knowing it's okay and not shaming yourself. And so every feeling that comes up through trying to build your family is, is okay. It's, 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 there's nothing wrong with any of it. And so that's number one. And then number two is that, you know, it, it, it's, you just kind of have to brace yourself and know it might be an uphill battle. Maybe it will be easier, but you know, you just put one step, uh, one foot in front of the other and, and know that whatever will happen will happen. But like at every stage, if you're supported, it will be okay. 
And it's so hard. And I say that just having talked with so many clients who have been through absolutely hell and back, but the resilience that I see in my clients, like I am awe inspired every single day. Like you are just like my hero to have been through hell and back to be still fighting because um, this is your dream and to be like smiling sometimes while you do it, like you are a hero. Thank you guys so much for listening. Definitely check out Family Match if you're interested in some more info on what exactly Stephanie does. Thanks again to Stephanie for sharing her story. Thank you guys, as always, for being so supportive and for listening. If you haven't yet done a podcast review, you can pop on over there and give me five stars and do like a one sentence review. It really helps the podcast get noticed and keep getting noticed. You know, we're three plus years in now, so it's going strong, but it always helps to get a little more recognition too. So thank you for spreading the word, telling your friends about it. Also check out Fertility Rally if you guys are looking for a community, a support system. We're mostly virtual, so you can be anywhere in the world, but we offer four support groups per week. We have three private Facebook groups, tons of resources, lots of events, both virtual and IRL. And it's just the place that I wish I had when I was in the thick of this shit. So check out Fertility Rally on Instagram at Fertility Rally. Check out our website, fertilityrally.com. You can always DM me if you have any questions. And I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Thanks.